hello, Kayla. Hello, Megan. For those of you just joining, and I know that you can't see us because we don't have video yet, but <laughs> Kayla has a fabulous new haircut. I am. She looks like a beautiful, like, fairy amazing cute adorable <laughs> i i love it i love it so much i essentially chopped all my hair off i uh i yes. the last time i did this was in college after i broke up with my first boyfriend broke up with my first boyfriend and got a pixie cut and then never dated again and i feel like there has been a part of my soul that has been waiting to do this again and i'm finally ready it's been 15 i feel years. like i've been trying <laughs> to get you to chop all your hair off. I've been trying to get everybody to chop all their hair off. Let's be I mean, real. Yeah. I do not like long hair. <laughs> and not that I don't think it's beautiful. Like some, like you've had beautiful yeah, hair, yeah. beautiful long hair. So before. did you. But it's so freeing to not uh, have long so hair. So real. So real. And I love not having oh, long God, hair. God, I know. I, I've, I've just been enjoying it every minute. Like every minute since I cut it, it's just, yes. I keep forgetting that it's not just like in a bun or something. I keep forgetting that I don't have it like, and I'm just like, oh my God, wait, like I can just be totally free. Like I sleep on it and it looks fine. I, you know, like get it wet and it dries within an hour. Like what? It's just just magic just magic welcome yes welcome we've been waiting for you to rejoin Thank you. the short Thank hair you. club <laughs> hi i'm kayla mason and i'm megan smith and this is human, human design, design in real time. time i'm the founder and ceo of kayla care and as an intuitive human design coach I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world. On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. Getting your own human design chart is easy. All you need is your exact birth time, and you can go to freehumandesignchart.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today we have Ronnie Kreil joining us again to discuss her deconditioning journey as a 3-5 sacral generator. Ronnie has been on the podcast before. Uh, and just a reminder, she is a human design coach, Reiki practitioner, and is also Kayla's business partner. So thank you for showing up today and sharing your story with us, Ronnie. We're really happy to have you back on the podcast. Glad to be here. Before we dive in, I do want to just kind of give a little bit of uh, background on deconditioning. So anyone who did not listen to our last deconditioning episode, um, we decided to do a series on deconditioning and touch on each of the different types because deconditioning essentially is what we as coaches help to facilitate. And the idea with deconditioning is we have been conditioned by society, by our parents, by our siblings, by the people we hang out with, all of the things that have affected us in the world effectively condition us to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to do things a certain way, to know what is safe, to know what is not safe. And so when we go on a journey of deconditioning, we're essentially relearning what it means to be who we truly are. 
Because even though you may have learned that, for instance, it's unsafe to be different from everybody else, it might actually be in your best interest to stand out, to be different, to let the parts of you that are different shine. So human design really helps us to understand where you might be experiencing that conditioning and where a deconditioning process might be really helpful. Thank you, Kayla. Ronnie, we'd love to hear about your deconditioning journey. Can you give us uh, an overview of what you've been going through and how you've come to where you are now in your deconditioning journey? What's been going on? Absolutely. Um, I think the best place to start would be kind of when I reached a breaking point of I can't do this anymore and things need to change. Um, and I kind of mentioned that on the last episode that I was on too, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, and that happened to me in the fall of 2020. Uh, I kind of reached this severe burnout and PTSD, anxiety, depression, everything all at once um, in my career. And I hit that breaking point of like, I can't do this anymore. I need a change in my life. Um, I, I'm living for literally everyone else but me right now, and I can't do this anymore. And you were working in a hospital during COVID, right? Yeah, I was working in um, the operating room and emergency surgery for at a level one trauma center and saw a lot of Oof. not so great things that uh, I didn't get enough recovery time after the fact, and then getting hounded with so much work on top of it and getting that PTSD from some of the things I saw and then having severe burnout on top of it and having no energy in my body just started uh, kind of acting up, I guess. <laughs> and I was um, just telling Kayla and Megan earlier today about um, I recently got diagnosed with arthritis, especially in my neck. So trying to deal with some of those physical effects with it too um, has been some struggles over time. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I reached that breaking point and I spent the next two years still working in that field at different jobs, trying to figure out what my next step was. And I finally was able to leave for good last summer. Um, but a few months prior to that, I was introduced to Reiki and had the opportunity to become uh, certified in Reiki uh, like a week after that first Reiki session. And that was actually the introdu introduction to human design for me. Um, my Reiki practitioner basically just ran my chart and gave me a copy of it and said like, here you go, you can go learn what this means on your own kind of thing. And that kind of just uh, triggered, um, I'd say an ADHD special interest. Yeah. Uh, deep dive <laughs> into it. And um, it also coincided with just this massive life transformation point um, that started with leaving my job. I went sober from alcohol. Um, we dealt with a few close family deaths. Um, I got a dog. <laughs> And then trying to figure out what career I'm go going into, what areas of my life do I need to heal before I can do that? And just kind of 
figure out where I fit in in the world. Mm. And that all happened starting like June of last year until and still working a little bit now, but throughout the summer and like to this point that we are here now. Um, and it was kind of just this, this period of massive disruption, uh, kind of a loss of identity for a while too, and not really knowing mm -hmm. if these energies really are me or is it something that I'm picking up from other people around me? Who am I really? All these kind of existential questions and stuff and really getting an opportunity to be able to safely explore that on my own and mm -hmm. with safe people for the past, um, well, all of this year, really. Um, and kind of aided by Kayla last year a little Yay. bit too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it got me to this point of kind of finding that like my identity was there the entire time. Mm. There was just smudges on the glass and learning what was a smudge and what was actually that clear view into my true essence, basically. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I want to highlight for our listeners, Ronnie has a very interesting chart. She is a generator, but she only has two centers defined. So her defined centers are her sacral center and her self-center. So I love that while we're talking about this, the two things that you're discussing that are most prominent for you on this deconditioning journey are your feelings of fulfillment at work, are your work, and your identity. And as we in the human design community know, sacral center is work and self-center is identity. And so these are the places where you create energy from and therefore the things that are going to be most who you truly are. So getting to kind of go on this, I think one thing I mentioned in our last deconditioning episode is that there are two different kinds of deconditioning within the human design spectrum. We're looking at defined centers and undefined centers. So when you're looking at an undefined center, this is a place where you may have picked something up from somebody else and are trying to be like someone else and are not able to live up to that expectation. So this is somewhere, this is the kind of thing that, you know, is going to happen from family members from society at large. When you're looking at your defined centers, these are the places where we've created shame around being who we truly are, around the things that actually fuel us. These are the things that are actually going to be the most celebrated, amazing, wonderful parts of ourselves, but we aren't going to be able to celebrate them until we understand them, until we know who we are. And so it sounds like a big part of your deconditioning journey was you getting to lean into to the magic that you create, your identity, your individuality, and your sense of fulfillment at work. Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up is, is looking at what we can lean into to really ground ourselves in ourselves. Mm. And for me, that's mm -hmm. a very defined identity center, center and uh, a very powerful sacral center. And I because of the burnout, both of those kind of 
muted for a while until I could heal parts of myself that brought energy back to that. And then once that energy came back, it was so selective on what I was allowed to... It, it basically felt like I didn't have a choice but to change and but to choose things that were for me mm -hmm. without regard for other mm -hmm. people for a while. Yeah. And that is extremely hard for someone like me who's vessel of love I love everyone I love yeah. nature I love the world and like actually learning how to stop and listen to what my needs are what I need to whether it's to ground myself or to feel safe or or to just thrive instead of survive for a while yeah um and yeah and and then like so so that's one side of it and then and then the other side is looking at especially with all of the openness how to turn a lot of that pain into gifts mm, yeah mm. and and have it work in this like beautiful cosmic balance of taking things in but not holding on to it not taking it personally and and knowing if it's something that makes me feel uncomfortable i can say no to it a hundred percent and i can separate myself from it yeah. i have that choice i am allowed to do that and that was that was probably one of the biggest things for me was this feeling that i i was weak or i wasn't i was breaking the rules <laughs> almost <laughs> of like well everyone else can deal with this uh -huh. why can't i that's a character fly I can't do anything that would show that kind of weakness mm. of intolerance. Mm. Yeah. I want to invite you to talk a little bit about this concept of burnout as a generator, because this is something you've mentioned a couple times. And I think when we talk about burnout, a lot of times in human design, we're talking about non-energy types. We're talking about projectors and manifestors and reflectors not being able to do because we don't create the energy to do. But Burnout as a generator type, as a generator in a manigen, is very, very real. And it has to do with something totally different from what projector burnout has to do with. So I know this is something you have experienced deeply. And so I'd love to hear you talk on what it was, what it was like, how you knew you were feeling burnt out, and what you have done to help to heal that burnout as a generator. I, I think um, overall, I think it was very hard for me to accept that I was burned out and it, it got to literally a breaking point. I, I had a mental breakdown and I had to take two weeks off of work and I went and stayed with my parents and was just kind of like, I don't know what to do, but like, I have no energy for like physical, mental, emotional processing right now. And, and so it was just kind of like, no, I'm literally just taking time to do nothing so I can rest and recover just to get back to doing my everyday thing, tolerating my everyday life. And, and it was a while before I realized like that a lot of that depression too, that I was dealing with was part of that because I didn't have that spark anymore. 
I lost it because I kept responding and committing to things that were more of what society tells us we need to do. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't stuff that like, it was, it was just kind of like, you're a grown up now, you have to go and do the things. And it doesn't matter if you don't like it, but that's how you make money. And that's how you live your life. And that's how you make a family and all this stuff. And what if I don't want that? And it was just kind of, especially with having my one channel in my chart is an individual channel and it's all about beating uh beating my own beat on my own drum mm-hmm. yep i'm pretty sure i got that wrong but <laughs> <laughs> following the beat of your own drum yes there it is <laughs> yep there it is <laughs> words are hard sometimes right. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's just this kind of idea of like okay well if i'm not fitting in with the rest of society do I compromise on who I am and what I want in life? Or do I go and walk yeah. that lonely path by myself? And that's what it, it seemed to me at the time was I don't have a choice of having community and being who I am. Yeah. And and so that was part of it is like learning, okay, this community itself is not who I need to be around. I need to find another one that will support me in the ways that I want to live mm-hmm. and and help mm-hmm. nurture me into getting to a good place so I can actually make those changes around me. Yeah. For that, like in society or wherever, but I can't do yeah. that until I'm good first. Yeah. <laughs> so finding finding that bridge. I I really want to talk about, you know, where you think that conditioned response of I need to show up for other people and and before myself. Um that is very much a societal piece of conditioning that people are telling you you need to be good to others in order to receive good back, but really we need to be good to ourselves so we can give good to others, right? Where do you think that conditioning lived in in your design and you know how what kind of level of intensity was that conditioning um before during the burnout um and what were some of the things that you did to sort of clean that out of your design um i think the biggest place is my incarnation cross and i i can totally see it in my unconscious um sun and earth that imbalance between those of love of humanity and love of self. And I loved humanity way more than I loved myself for a very long time. For anyone who does not know. So Ronnie's incarnation cross is what we call the vessel of love. There are four gates in human design that are called the love gates. And she has those four gates as her main gates. So it's her conscious and unconscious sun and her conscious and unconscious earth are gate of self-love, gate of love of humanity, gate love of spirit and love of body. So those four gates, they all come out of the self-center and that is the core of her energy, her incarnation cross. Yeah, and and like, especially with the the love of source too, with that, I feel like I just have this natural ability to see the pure essence and beauty of literally everyone and everything. And so that combined with 
this love of humanity and then having an open emotional solar plexus mm. and feeling the fears of that open spleen and feeling the words that people aren't comfortable saying but need to be said mm. feeling the the thoughts and the doubts of themselves and all of that together just made me like it, it it almost felt like I was made to make sure people knew that they were lovable and loved mm. and I felt like because it came so easy to me that was my job but I didn't consider that loving myself first was the first step of that mm. yeah. and it felt selfish so I ended up putting that to the wayside and like I mean I still there are still days where I can't even look myself in the mirror because I don't like what I say and that is so rare now but especially growing up that was mirrors were very triggering for me hmm. because of that yeah and that is very much societal conditioning at its worst right like yeah you know that we we are told that we need to put others before ourselves and we're criticized consistently to our face indirectly and it's so important to recognize where that for what it is right for the fact that it is not us and that we need to connect with ourselves more and first to know what is us and what is somebody else. And it's so great to hear that you're able to recognize that now. You know, it, it, you know, it sucks that it took uh, years of burning yourself out and burning the candle at both ends to get there, but everything happens for a reason in some capacity and, and you're there and you see it now. And I wanna hear a little bit more of how you've used human design to help you recognize where your conditioning lives and how you have sort of turned the script a little bit on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I first learned about it, um, I, all I knew was the person that had run my chart just made a comment of this is probably one of the most unique charts I've ever seen. <laughs> but then never elaborated. So I was like, well, what does that mean? Is that good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a period of, uh, especially reading through some of the original traditional language of human design and how painful some of those words were, especially relating to my profile of having a three, five profile was, the martyr heretic where you're literally uh, sacrificing yourself for others yep. and then being burned at the stake for it. <laughs> and, and so it, it's, that part was really hard to take in. And it, it honestly made me question. I'm like, well, yeah. is it even worth continuing mm. then? Like it got that dark. <laughs> and, and so like, I was like, well, I don't want to quit yet of just literally everything. 
Um, so I, I just decided to like keep uh, looking into it and like trying to find a positive twist to things <laughs> just to kind of give that benefit of doubt. And, and that was actually when I discovered Karen Curry Parker and the new quantum language. And that, that was what got me truly hooked. Yeah. Um, and learning the more, um, positive spin on the language um, was uh, a lot more encouraging than what I had been reading earlier. And um, and then that kind of drew me into like, okay, well, how do I decondition them? And started learning about all the centers and learning um, what each one meant, like the basic theme. And then that led me into, well, finding Kayla <laughs> and taking her program, um, which I thought was a phenomenal way of, of really getting a more intimate connection with each of your centers through that yoga nidra meditation um, and just contemplation in general and stuff. Um, and then I got certified in that and couldn't afford more certifi certification. So I went back into um, learn all the gates and read, not only read, but also took notes on every single gate and found the corresponding gene keys with that. And it was like each gate that I went through, I was, I was getting healing from just reading through it and writing my notes and all that stuff. So it was kind of the entire process was deconditioning, even if I didn't realize it was at the time. Mm. And then uh, I think a lot of it is just observing, especially observing how I react to things um, and identifying triggers or things that would bring up some uncomfortable feeling in me and just kind of saying, hold up, let's look at this for a second. Mm. Is this, is this like a valid feeling or is this an overreaction because of something else? How can we deal with this? And learning different techniques like EFT and um, EMDR. I, I'm currently learning Ayurvedic medicine and uh, now I want to look up polyvagal theory and all that stuff too. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just going through the process, like little steps here and there and stuff. And then, um, I, I got to go on a few like spiritual retreats and stuff and, and that, that helped kind of work through different layers. And, and that's another thing is like, there are especially, um, certain triggers that might be super intense one time and, and then you think you heal it and then you ex get exposed to that trigger and again, again, and you have mm -hmm. something else come up Yeah, that's either related or it's not, but it's still that same trigger and learning like, okay, what, where is this leading to now? And I, I kind of find it like a, a bit of a game at times. Yep. Mm. Um, and maybe it's just because I, I like to play and it's, <laughs> 
if I don't find it entertaining in some way, then I'm just like, I don't want to pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're comfortable, would you mind sharing an example and what gate or what center that example was connected to and a trigger you may have experienced and the way that you worked through it? Um... I'm trying to think of like specific ones. I know um, there's a lot more examples related to my open root center um, because I have four gates defined on there and and my Chiron gate is on there as well. Um, And both of my parents have like combined have all of the gates of the root And so I was exposed to that root center pressure all the time. Um, And and it it just seemed that it was so much more intense um, and oppressive after I quit drinking. And and really noticing just how much heaviness and tension I was holding in my body related to um, the conditioning that I had picked up and held on to relating to my root center and and that um some of it has been like just journaling through it or talking through it with someone um i there was one of the uh spiritual retreats we did we did a um it was like an ancestral uh guided meditation or something like that and and hypnosis um, inner child hypnosis with it and stuff. Um, and that kind of pulled up a lot of stuff, released it. What is it that you feel like you experienced that helped that let you know that you were dealing with conditioning in your root center? Like what were the feelings? Was it, was it a lack of grounding? Was it feeling overly pressured? Was it feeling, uh, you know, a a lack of drive? What were the things that were coming up? Um, honestly, I think most of my lingering burnout has been because of my root mm-hmm. and learning how to discern what pressure is actually meant for me to like do something and what is just there. Mm. <laughs> do you feel like there was a, that the pressure that you were feeling, you thought that it was yours and it was something you had to act on, but in fact it was you absorbing it from your parents? So one thing that I wanted to bring up with that was the first indication that I knew something was like going on there Mm -hmm. was just this level of irritability Mm. when I'm around certain people. And it, it was, it had nothing to do with the tone of voice that they had or like anything that they were saying or doing. It was literally them there. Yeah. And they would make some comment that like, was probably the most benign thing that they would ever say. And it felt like, it felt like I was being backed into a corner. Mm. Like, like I was just being oppressed in some way. And it's so strange to, to like, kind of like take that sidestep and like look at it from a third person view of like, Okay, this is a weird reaction to have to someone who said just that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so like that would start with that and then like just sitting and breaking down the the emotions like okay, I mean, 
first of all, I want to validate the feeling. I don't want to shame myself for feeling anything. Um, and I think that was one of the first biggest steps was learning to, to not demonize myself or my reactions. Yes. And mm -hmm. just like, okay, we're just going to observe it. Yeah. And then like, listen to like, okay, what, what else is coming up? Yeah. And then, um, and then observing like just everyday things and not like energy, like what is the context of of the situation is this something that i should be like putting up a boundary for right and like if it's not why why is like what specifically is triggering this yeah and and so like there was this level of especially with like self-worth tied into it too of just this idea of uh if i have energy that means I need to be doing things. Mm -hmm. And so it was like me guilt tripping myself for like any kind of mention of like, oh, this needs to be done at some point. Then I would put that pressure on myself for doing that like immediately because I have the energy. I can't say no because mm. I have the energy. I Like I don't need rest necessarily <laughs> but it was like this like if if anyone suggested anything remotely doing related it felt like i didn't have a choice to say yes or no mm, yeah especially in like a family um situation and stuff yeah i think that is that's so interesting because I feel like that's kind of the core of the difference between generators and non-generator types is that you have the energy. It's a matter of how you get to choose to use it. And when you choose to use it on things that fuel you, you get more energy. But when you choose to use it on things that don't fuel you, you head for burnout. And then I get crabby because <laughs> I'm getting burned yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm curious how you feel like you've utilized your defined sacral center as almost a catalyst for this for this uh, deconditioning journey, for your growth. Do you feel like you've utilized your sacral response as a way to really help you understand what you do need, what you don't need, who you're supposed to be talking to, who you don't need to talk to, boundaries, all of the things. How has your defined sacral center played into this journey for you? It, it's been paramount. Um, when it first started, it was just learning like what that sacral sound was, mm. what does it actually feel like? Yeah. Um, and, and like now, especially I, I, I can really tell, but it was, it was just learning and, and really paying attention, checking in with myself, especially if it was relating to making a decision. Uh, I would intentionally pause myself before I would commit to anything or say yes or no and and really kind of break down what that answer was like where it was coming from mm -hmm. like is this especially like is this upsetting someone and i'm trying to avoid that upset mm -hmm. is is this uh avoiding choosing this unique thing that 
I'm the only one that likes. So then I'm by myself enjoying it. Yeah. Um, am I okay with being by myself for that kind of stuff? Which for the most part I am, but there are times, especially I, I think when you're in that, the middle of that, uh, void space yeah. between identities kind of thing where you are super prone to, to being triggered and to being like super sensitive to that kind of stuff. And so that was probably like one of the hardest things is learning like, okay, is this like, do I just not have enough energy to deal with the blowback that it might cause? Mm -hmm. And like, is that still okay to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and learning like what areas of my life can I experience that without having the blowback mm -hmm. and then playing around with that too. And, and just kind of, at times it's testing the waters. Sometimes it's completely secluding myself for a while and, and learning my baseline just to kind of get an idea of like what, what to feel into and what to lean back on Yeah. when it gets too chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you say you are now in your deconditioning journey? What is your relationship with uh, work what is your relationship with yourself now that you've been able to see it from this perspective and work on some of the challenges that you faced um I feel like pretty much anything that's out of alignment for me feels so uncomfortable that I literally cannot handle it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and so I don't even entertain it anymore um mm. it's it's gotten so much easier now um, because like, it's, it's just, it's surrendering, which is a lot easier said than done, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it, like over time, especially when you're doing a lot of that self care and, and you're healing and taking the breaks that you need, a lot of the stuff as a generator, that stuff starts coming to you. Those opportunities start coming to you faster and faster. Mm -hmm. because you've made that alignment already. And I, I mean, like, I like to look at, like, waiting for that thing to respond to is meant to be a divine pause to allow you to prepare in any, any way that you need to, mm. whether that's internal preparations, whether that's you need to go somewhere specific to do it, or waiting on someone else outside of you, whatever, but it's it's meant to provide a space of alignment to bring it in so it actually stays and so the more you get into alignment the quicker those things come to you and so now especially the last couple of weeks with like venus retrograde and stuff i i feel like i've just completely embraced trust yep in myself trust in the universe trust that things will happen the way they need to. Mm -hmm. I just need to wait and then yep. actually do the work once I get that reaction. But there's like, I, I'm, I'm honestly surprised with how much my fear of missing out has completely just gone away. Oh, I love that. I love that. Cause I feel like that's, that's such a huge part of this whole thing 
that FOMO. FOMO is something that happens <laughs> because you are not living in alignment with your own world. There is, you're not missing out on anything. And once you figure out how to celebrate yourself and how to love yourself and how to do the things that actually feel good for you in the moment, you're not missing out on anything. You're getting to do all the stuff that feels good for you, you know? So I love that. I love that the FOMO has, has subsided. <laughs> How have you been supporting yourself in this journey? And how have you been influencing others to support you through your deconditioning journey and this this sort of new revelation that you've come to? Because, you know, people in your life are always going to be there. So how, how have you been helping them to understand you a little bit better and get to support you in your deconditioning? Um. I, th I think one of the paramount things was communication and just learning how to be open about it. Um, and especially like some of the more ugly sides of deconditioning and sobbing for mm -hmm. seemingly no reason out of like the middle mm -hmm. of nowhere and <laughs> having the people around you, like especially, I mean, I remember specifically my mom walked in on me and I'm just sitting on the floor sobbing. And and she felt so bad because she wanted to help. But there was, like, <laughs> I, I was trying to say, like, it's just part of the process. It needs to come out. Just let it go. This is the point. <laughs> Better out than in, I always say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and that kind of thing is, is like, learning how to show that vulnerability to the people that need to see it mm. and learning how to communicate with it to just allow them or to, to have them allow it to happen as it needs to. And then um, other ways are like finding communities and stuff. I mean, I, I am extremely picky with my friend group um, and in family group even, um, and I mean, Kayla, our partnership <laughs> has been absolutely amazing. I think for both of us. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And then, um, I'm in a coaching mastermind program right now and that I, I've connected with so many other amazing coaches there. And, uh, one of the goals that I want to create later on at some point is I mean preferably with Kayla a community of coaches clients mm -hmm. whomever that need that extra support and and just kind of being that um that beacon of light for them to find their own light mm -hmm. I, love I love that, that. and I, I feel like that's exactly it's it's funny because I feel like and I, I can't don't quote me on this, but I feel like if you were to go back to the beginning of this podcast <laughs> and listen to me talking about what I wanted to do in the world and the things that I wanted to bring to the world a year and a half ago when we started this podcast, before I had even met Ronnie, you would probably find that I was talking about wanting to create exactly what you're talking about. I was talking about wanting to do the things that now you and I are doing. And I think our partnership is 
one of those beautiful examples of what is possible when you allow yourself to decondition and when you get out of your own way. Mm. Because there is, you know, we, the two of us within our partnership, have done a lot of deconditioning together. I mean, if you look at our connection charts, mm-hmm. the, the only center that is not defined in that connection chart is the um, will center. Yep. Yep. And there has been so much self-worth mm-hmm. healing that we have both been able to experience ourselves, but also help the other through at the same time. Yeah. I think, I, what did I, 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 I kind of combined it to like a cosmic dance <laughs> or something. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah. It's, it's honestly beautiful. <laughs> it really is. It's gorgeous. And I feel like, what happens in there is that like for the first like six months or so that you and I were working together maybe not because I don't remember when we actually started working together but for the first few months that we worked together every time we would meet it was almost like we were just having like these big like talk it out kind of like joint therapy sessions and it was the kind of thing where as a business person in business partnership these did not seem like they were actually doing any good. Like these did not seem like we were actually, we weren't planning business things. We weren't getting ready for, you know, but as, but what I started to realize as we'd meet every week and would just end up talking through all of the shit that we had to talk through is that that was what we needed each other for at that time. We needed each other to help on what we're talking about right now, this deconditioning journey. Because I think one of the things that is important when you are on a journey like this is having support. And most of the time, like having a coach is great, having a therapist is great, but having somebody else who you can actually talk through, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, We're both experiencing different parts of this thing, especially when you're with someone who understands the transits and understands what things are moving through. So like we've been having so much conversation about the Venus retrograde. We talk every time Mercury's in retrograde, we talk through it because like the, the retrogrades are big times for introspection. So they're really powerful times to do a lot of this deconditioning work. But when we had those moments, like I feel like we have pushed each other to be able to become better business people, better humans, more aligned humans. And the the way that I thought business worked before you and I started working together was vastly different from what I understand now. Because what I thought business was and the way that I thought business was supposed to work was the societal construct. I had been conditioned with the idea that you are a business owner, you have to do everything by yourself. You have to do all of the things on your own. You cannot ask for help. If you ask for help, you are weak. And I feel like in working together, you and I have broken through so many of these societally conditioned constructs of what business is supposed to look like and are leaning into what it looks like for us. Yeah, and especially with that concept of um, hustle culture. Yeah, and then and then the 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 level of deceit in sales and marketing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So out of integrity. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 that was that was like 
one of the reasons I didn't even want to get into business was that just felt gross in my body. Yeah. 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 And I think that's one of the things that is so interesting about our designs together because I have a channel that connects my throat to my self-center, um, which means that everything that comes out of my mouth comes right from my heart. And I, when I lie, it literally hurts. Like I have, I get a pain in my chest when I try to say something that is not truthful. And so that's what would happen when I tried to market things and I didn't believe in them or I was kind of didn't know if I was, you know, saying the right thing or I felt like I was trying to trick people into doing something for me. And our charts together, you and I create, I think, is it three other channels that connect our throats to our, our self-centers? So it's like, that is the core of our energy together. We create this beautiful, like, truthfulness of, of spoken word. The spoken word and the self are one in the same. Mm -hmm. And it's a really beautiful marriage. But I think more than that, it proved to us that it was possible to be in business in a way that nobody else had ever shown us. To be in business and so i feel like this is actually a, a beautiful part of the deconditioning journey because myself as a projector i don't have the sacral energy like i don't have that energy and acknowledging that i don't have to have that energy because i can pair up with someone who not only has that energy but is excited to use it for something that lights her up is like and and the fact that i don't have throat energy mm-hmm and I mean, I don't mind talking. I actually enjoy interacting with other people, but I, I cannot do it consistently, mm -hmm. sustainably. Mm -hmm. And so having like doing all the grunt work is what lights me up yeah. a lot of times. <laughs> and that's, I hate the grunt work and I just want to show up and I podcast my favorite. I just want to show up and talk. <laughs> Like, this is my happy place. <laughs> As an outsider, it has been, uh, you know, kind of looking in at the partnership that you guys have created, you know, working with Kayla as her VA, a lot of what you guys do gets discussed. And it is so refreshing to see somebody who's like, I'm not going to do business this way. I'm going to do business my way. And so as the VA, I've had to learn to adapt to that because it's not my job to tell you to do business how everybody else has done business doesn't mean that they're successful because they followed the textbook. Uh, you're, you're successful because you are following your gut, you're following your sacral center, you're following your design in order to make a business that's uh, beneficial and sustainable for you and everybody else that uh, is incorporated with your business. So it is really awesome to see like, it, it's definitely given me an even uh, wider view of what business is and what business can be because of just the, the deconditioning of, of what people tell you you yeah. have to do. Nobody has to do anything. Somebody wrote that book, everything's made up. It doesn't matter. Do it how you feel is best for you. And watching both of Yay. you be able to do that has been really lovely. Well, it's so interesting to see the parallels of a, a business partnership and even just like a general friendship and um, going through that deconditioning process with that other person and, and how much it mimics like a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And that has been a huge area of struggle for me in the past. Um, and and 
kind of taking a break from dating altogether for a while and then kind of seeing like oh these I mean it I, I can totally see karmic lessons playing out of things that I have struggled to heal in the past yeah through romantic connections I'm I'm learning to heal through a non-romantic connection ah and it's it's way less painful yeah. <laughs> that's crazy I hadn't even thought about that's that that's cool and I wonder well you know something that I have noticed actually in my romantic relationship since I am in a place now where I am more able to identify those triggers where I'm more able to where I've gone past a certain point of de of conditioning it's less painful for me to deal with those things now than it was in previous romantic relationships. Um, but something that is that I've definitely been able to lean into more since I got on my deconditioning journey and feel like I've done a lot of deconditioning is really allowing intimacy with platonic relationships. Because I think previously, like, we're taught that you find one person and that person is the person that you're supposed to do absolutely everything with. And this isn't what everyone was taught, but this is how I, you know, what I was taught. My parents didn't have a lot of other friends, you know, and like they certainly didn't have friends who they spent a significant amount of time with. And so I have been kind of reimagining what intimacy can look like. Because while my relationship with my partner is one that is sexually intimate, it is also intimate in all of the ways that I want to connect as a human. It's intimate on a soul level. It's intimate on a fulfillment level, on a mind level, on, you know, a uh, on a heart level. We have the same values. And so I am able, I feel like even more so more recently, to connect with friends, to connect with business partner, to connect with, you know, uh, uh, my sisters even, on such a deeper level because I'm not limiting that intimacy to that one person who I'm allowed to be intimate with, you know? Which is such a four-line thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> so real. So, Kayla, your four-line is showing. <laughs> uh, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so, Ronnie, what... Uh, what is your advice for other generators going through a deconditioning journey? What advice would you have for other generators looking to decondition some of those societal norms out of their design? I think learning how to get back in touch with your sacral, uh, learning what that sacral sound feels like, um, and then really examining the choices that you're making that either go along with that sacral sound or against it. And even if it's just kind of observing it and not changing that behavior yet, but, but just looking at the patterns, what are you committing to that you probably shouldn't? Or where are areas you're not allowing yourself to commit to that you probably should? And that can kind of give you a full picture of, of what you're actually dealing with. And then you can make that conscious decision of like, okay, I actually want to start listening to my sacral more. I want to stick with that. I can see where I'm not. And I can see where that's caused me a lot of pain. 
so let's not cause any more pain. Let's <laughs> let's focus on joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think within that, also giving yourself the grace, knowing that it's not, there's nothing wrong with you if you are continually following a sacral, you're getting a sacral no when you keep saying yes. It's a matter of identifying why it's happening, creating awareness around it, and understanding that you are just a human who has created defense mechanisms in order to keep yourself safe. And the more you learn to listen to your inner knowing, the better you're going to get at listening to your inner knowing. It's a practice. This is not something that happens overnight. So, um, and for any generators who are thinking, ah, I'm a generator and I think I would like to know how to use my sacral center, you can always book a session. I'd love to talk to you about it, Um, but I'll give you just a little exercise here that you can take home with you. Just start asking yourself yes or no questions and answering them, listening to your gut that are kind of superfluous, like open the refrigerator, deciding what you want to eat. Look at the things in the fridge and let yourself respond to them and see what things give you a gut. Yeah, I want ketchup. And what things give you a gut? (laughs) No, I do not like mustard. And just start there. Start with the music you listen to. Start with the clothing that you wear on a daily basis. Any external thing that you can respond to, give yourself the opportunity to respond and let your gut be what's doing the responding. Um, Especially pay attention to what you are saying yes to that you're just tolerating. Mm. Mm. Like settling for less just because it's easy right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not mm. bad in and of itself, but Mm-mm. it can give you an idea of like where you want to improve your life, but you're not actually taking those steps to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to recognize that like immediately. It takes time. And I think just taking the time to recognize it doesn't mean you need to change it right now. But if you just take the time to recognize this isn't something that I'm doing because I want to do it, it's doing so because I feel I should that. I think is so important to acknowledge even if you still do the thing fine but at least acknowledge that you didn't really want to but you felt you should and why yeah and that right there is the beginning of a deconditioning journey I think that's something that happens a lot is that we often feel like well I couldn't possibly be doing enough work I couldn't possibly be doing enough I couldn't possibly be actually helping myself or actually being on a deconditioning journey or actually uh, doing my self-care. If you are taking the time to notice, if you are taking the time to be aware of what is changing in your life and you are allowing yourself to kind of be that observer, the moment that you understand that being an observer of the things you are doing is important, that is the moment you begin your deconditioning journey. So give yourself grace. You're doing it. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for sharing your story and being open and vulnerable with us on the podcast today. I cannot tell you how uh, wonderful it was to hear what you've been working on and be able to connect with it myself on like some personal levels. So I really hope that our listeners also uh, connect with what uh, you had to say about work and burnout and, you know, how you worked through all of that. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Ronnie, how can our listeners find you? Uh, Kayla and I are joining forces and offering a 
Do we have a name for it, by the way? Um, I believe I'm calling it Individual Human Design Deep Dive. <laughs> um, and essentially, uh, if you are wanting to do a deep dive into your human design, which will help you to understand not just the, uh, the surface level of your type and your authority and your profile, the things that you would do in your first couple of sessions if you were to book a session with me, but if you really want to understand how you can utilize your human design on, for instance, your deconditioning journey... Um, we're going to dive into each of the gates in your chart and really help you to understand the place where you may have picked up conditioning and uh, the things that you can do to help find balance in each of these parts of your chart. And to give you a reference for what kind of deep dive this is, there are usually about 20 gates in a person's chart. So each one of those is going to have a certain energy that you understand on a deep level. And being able to dive into those with both Ronnie and myself is going to give you the awareness to really be able to start healing. Um, and then within that, Ronnie is going to create a report that you'll be able to have with you and take with you that'll help you to understand each of the energies in your chart and how you can find balance within them. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. If you would like to reach out to either Ronnie or Kayla and uh, go through one of these individual deep dives, um, reach out to human design in real time at gmail.com and we'd be happy to get you in touch. You can also find us all on Instagram and my link tree is in my Instagram. So it's underscore Kayla underscore Mason. And we hope to have you back on the podcast again. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> if you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at Human Design in Real Time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design, I'd love to help you on your journey. You can head to my website, kayla-care.com, to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A dash C-A-R-E dot com. We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human, human design, design in real time. time.